I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody. Um, so this is kind of a more unique, it's not really more unique, this is a unique <laughs> episode to, to what we normally do. We're discussing um, the movie, uh, specifically David Tennant's version of Hamlet and just Hamlet, the, the play by William Shakespeare. We were kind of, Sadie had a brilliant inspiration to, to talk about this, um, to talk about it on this podcast uh, since... Hamnet kind of inspired us to go back and reread Hamlet and watch it. So thought that we would do a special episode discussing that. So thank you, Sadie. Oh, thank idea. you. I'm excited. I think this will be a lot of fun. Yeah, it was really fun to watch it. Again, I haven't watched a version of Hamlet in a while and to reread it. Um, well, before we get going, why don't you tell us first, Sadie, because you were making your cocktail a little bit ago, yeah. what, what, what your <laughs> libation is this evening? <laughs> well... So before we started recording, Audra and I had a discussion about how tired I was today. So I might regret <laughs> this cocktail later, but right now it's exactly what I need. I'm having an espresso martini. So That's so funny because I have uh, Irish coffee. <laughs> so I, I made a coffee and then I just happened to find, uh, I have the, what is that? The, the Bailey's? Whiskey. No, oh. oh no, no, no. I, I put whiskey in it. So I have Cutter Sark whiskey in it. Oh. Cutter's Sark. Um, that's funny because I'll probably regret that too. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I needed it. I needed it. That's all I will say. I might be up really late, but right now I needed it. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I didn't make a big cup and so I also have, uh, Keto's Brewing Coffee Cream Ale. Oh, delicious. Uh, yeah. So if I need additional libation, I have that as well. That's one of my favorites. And coffee and coffee. Yeah. So. We're on theme today with each other. Yeah. Yeah, it keeps like happening. It. it does. That's funny. Um, okay, so we've got our libation. Um, also wanted to make sure everybody's aware, our next episode, we will be talking about our new book, There, There by Tommy Orange. Um, so if you haven't, hurry and go pick a copy up from your local bookstore. We're going to be, um, we'll post what pages we're going to be discussing through. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll put that post up because um, we were just talking about what what section we're going to stop at. So I'll put that on the on our webpage or our Instagram page. Um, yeah, so I don't have anything else to announce to you. No, I think you hit all of our PSAs on the head, so we're good. Okay, awesome. Well, um, I'd love for you, like Sadie, you you know made this suggestion, and I think mm-hmm. we both started talking about the David Tennant version of um, Hamlet, which came out in 2009, um, but why don't you kind of get us started since this was your great idea? Thank you. So when I first thought about doing this, I just thought it would be interesting to kind of look back at Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell with this kind of new perspective of revisiting the play that she's, you know, she's positing was inspired by this death in some way. And um, I think it was very useful because, you know, when I first read Hamnet, in my head I kind of was thinking she was, that she was writing that Shakespeare was trying to reincarnate his son as an adult in the character Hamlet but when you read the play I think it's very clear that that's not what's going on it doesn't really work if you do it yeah 
when when you first suggested Hamnet, the novel, I went into it, and I think just based off of the summary I had read or mm-hmm. or something like that, was taking it like what she was going to do with the novel Hamnet was draw some clear line to how this very likely had some sort of inspiration for the play Hamlet mm-hmm. in like more of a storyline kind of thing. Yeah. More of a direct connection with like his son. And so I kind of, when I was reading it, was looking for those yeah, connections. I, yeah. yeah. I was looking and I for didn't those really find eggs. them. No. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah. But then when I watched Hamlet, um, the 2009 television film version um, by the Royal Shakespeare Company, I was like, now I saw the connections more in the theme of, of grief and how mm-hmm. I think people react to grief differently and how it affects relationships and how it can affect your um, personality. Like, yeah. so it really was all more focused. I saw the the line, not in storyline or plot or character, but just in that um, theme of grief. Yeah. And so that was, so I thought it was really great because it, it kind of brought that element out more in Hamnet for me than it had when I read it originally. Yeah, I agree. I think I appreciate the connections more because I think a lot of the questions that she brings up in Hamnet are also brought up in Hamlet. And a lot of that Mm -hmm. for me is like, how does one grieve and what's an appropriate way to grieve? Because one of the main difficulties that Agnes has with Shakespeare is that she doesn't think he's doing it the right way. He just goes back to London. She doesn't really see the way that it's affecting him. She only sees kind of the way it's affecting her and the family that's with her. And I think with Hamlet, it's a similar question of not really understanding or seeing the way that grief is affecting the other people around him. Hamlet's kind of so inside of his own grief that he's unable to kind of see what's really going on with other characters. And it makes him a suspicious and, you know, an untrusting kind of person. It, it definitely, I mean, and it, you don't really know necessarily what his personality was completely before this mm-hmm. tragedy happened and his father died because, you know, we, we don't see it before. You can maybe make some assumptions based on how um, how he is now, how he treats other people, how they treat him, but mm-hmm. you don't really know. And so it's interesting to think how much did the grief, you know, change his personality because right. you see some personality changes throughout the novel Hamnet, and I, th- I think that um, it's not necessarily overt, but you can definitely see some subtle personality changes once their son dies, and I think that that's, that happens with grief. You know, yeah. it just can really severely alter who you are and make some big personality changes, and I think that you see that. I, I assume that in Hamlet. I assume when I watch it or read it that there's a big change like mentally with him right and it's really affecting his personality and um so I I think that that's definitely a connection I picked up with Hamnet and Hamlet for me yeah and and, you know everybody I think is very obviously concerned with Hamlet and his change like they keep questioning his if he's mad or or if he's sane and I think I think that is extremely indicative of a change. I think it's also interesting too because Hamlet, we get tiny hints at who these people were before uh, King Hamlet dies, but mm-hmm. we don't really know. And I kind of like that idea of not knowing. We don't know, for example, if King Hamlet was a benevolent king. We don't know if he was a good ruler. We don't really know anything other than the fact that Hamlet, his son, grieves him. 
and that he was killed by his brother. And I think that is an interesting idea of like just not really knowing, not getting this bigger history because that's kind of the question that we, I think, as fans of William Shakespeare or, you know, as historians for William Shakespeare, we don't really know. All we are given are like these little bite-sized pieces of who these characters were and then we kind of have to deal with that information as we will and obviously, you know, create a character. And I love what Maggie O'Farrell does with that character, what she does with those bite-sized pieces of information. And I think it just kind of builds off of like that idea of history and we just don't really know anything, but you kind of, it still is effective and I don't know, brings about a lot of emotion. Right. Like it's, it's like, you know, for a crude metaphor, it's like a puzzle and you're missing Mm-hmm. A, a portion of the pieces um so you've got to still try to put this puzzle together and it can still look really pleasing and look almost complete even though you're missing some of those pieces and um I think that that's what people who write historical fiction or novels like this I think that's kind of a special um like talent yeah yeah I agree um when did you first see the David Tennant version like, what do you think of his Hamlet and what he brings to the role? Um, I'm trying to remember when I saw it last. It's probably it's probably been I've seen it a couple times. It probably the last time was maybe about five years ago. So it's mm-hmm. little, it's been a little while. I pretty much am just watching Star Trek and children shows these <laughs> days. Um, that's kind of all I relate to. Um, or the occasional like Bravo show when I need to zone out. <laughs> so it's been a while, but I watched it again. Um, and really really like it I like well for one I love Patrick Stewart Mm -hmm. um obviously if I'm watching a lot of Star Trek but uh I really think that David Tennant does a good job because he um he's I think he does this walking fine line between is he right and everyone else is crazy or is he crazy and everyone else is right like Mm -hmm. I think he he walks that line so well and how he portrays Hamlet, which makes, I think, the story even more interesting. Like, I think if you're convinced he's sane, because I think that that's the discussion a lot, I, mm-hmm. I think if you're convinced he's sane versus the idea of he's not, it's not as interesting because you, you're set. And then that makes the story a certain way, depending on what you think. Mm-hmm. But when you kind of walk that line, I think it's nice to always, because then every time you watch it or read it, it's like, what's really going on here, which I think is right. interesting is when you're going to, for something to watch over and over or read over and over, yeah. depending on what's going on or how old you are or your life experience, you can feel differently about Shakespeare or any good literature, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think oh, David Tennant's, <laughs> I think David Tennant's portrayal does a good job because it seems like he doesn't even really know. He doesn't even know if he's insane, but like if either way, it, it feels like, his version of Hamlet is very into um, acting and and putting on a show kind of for people and keeping them on yeah. their toes. And I think that's very fun to watch versus, you know, somebody a car- or a version of him maybe that's like more internal, which has its own place and in, in a different interpretation and adaptation. But I love how his is so much about acting and performance and... That kind of brings me back to it's like a theme that I see in Hamnet 
which is just the performance of grief and in ways that grief is a performance and what do we wear and what do we do what rituals do we go through and then also how Mm -hmm. does that performance of maybe being okay and being over it even though you're not continue way past the actual event you know and I think that Adnes talks about that in Hamnet where she you know she feels like she has to just kind of go on and go with the motions and present herself as like maybe more stable or okay as she sees you know kids running past her yard and that was really emotional for me thinking about like the performances we have to do for society to kind of for our grief to be acceptable you know well yeah I mean it's it's a performance also in that it's like you have critics right like there's critics of your of your grief and are you grieving the right way or not the right way or for the appropriate amount of time or who's allowed to Mm -hmm. grieve for what like I think that we we all have our in you know our interior and our exterior critics that criticize our grief and you would think that that is something that shouldn't be criticized or you know it's 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 really real like you know like people I've definitely heard people talk about like did somebody cry at a funeral and did they have a right to cry or should they have but they didn't you know like it's Mm -hmm. it's weird how so much of grief especially for people who maybe like aren't so closely related to whoever was lost like they really it's something that is looked at and discussed and thought about and I don't think that it's fair but it's it's something that I've definitely seen happen yeah it's almost like we think it's more acceptable to talk about others grief more Mm -hmm. than it's acceptable to talk about our own like Mm -hmm. Because then there's opinions on that too, right? Like you should keep it to yourself or, you know, just that idea. Grief makes people uncomfortable, you know? And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like these tropes that you're supposed to say when someone's grieving and you have to be able to make it go away. You know, there's like we have more to say about how others grieve and how they should act versus being okay with talking about our own grief. It's just a weird, yeah, like kind of never-ending circle. Yeah, And I I think with Hamnet and Hamlet, that's kind of evident. You know, you already talked about Adnes and how she felt like she needed to be a certain way. And then I think in Hamlet, you know, just it's grief that's prompting this and from how I read it. And everyone kind of, it sets everyone on edge and everyone has all these different actions and thoughts and feelings based on Hamlet's grief and what that brings up. And I think that mm-hmm. it there's that connection with with the novel and Hamlet yeah I agree and I think also um one thing that I thought was interesting I was reading an article where the Maggie O'Farrell was being interviewed and she talks about how due to like child mortality rates because of the plague like historians have kind of glossed over Hamlet's death as an expectation almost you know it was common Hmm. quote-unquote for parents to lose children back then and I love how she shows that it doesn't really matter if it was an expectation to lose a child like even Agnes knows she's going to lose a child she's always known this from the beginning of the book yeah and it's still it still affects her so deeply like it doesn't matter what kind of expectation you have or if you're anticipating a death or if you've had a year to prepare yourself or something you know it doesn't it doesn't really prepare you for that loss. Sure. I mean, we all know that death's a certainty, right? We ha- and, and there's, of course, tragedies that happen, but we all know 
that's just, that's going to happen, right? Death and, um, and I think especially when you have someone, you know, like if you're a child and you lose a parent when they're, you know, in the typical, I don't know what the average mortality like is these days, but it's pretty (laughs) high up there. But anyway, it's, it doesn't take away that hurt, you know, or Mm -hmm. that grief. Um, cause I, I always think that when it's like people explain if something was expected or not when a death, you know, for Mm -hmm. like a, someone who's elderly it's like oh did you did you know or did you well yes but it still (laughs) really hurts and no one means it that way it's just I realize it's almost kind of an awkward thing that we ask yeah and you know back to what we were saying before it's also something nobody really wants to hear about after the fact um I had a conversation with my grandmother my grandma Stevens when she was pretty close to her deathbed and she I asked her if she still missed her mother and she said that even when she was like in her 70s and 80s like pretty much right up until she was um in this like end of life care facility she said that she still reached for the phone to call her mom when she had a question Mm -hmm. and you know it had been 50 60 years since her mother had died and that's something that you know, she she never talked about until I asked her, but it's something that has stuck with me as far as how the grief can kind of surprise you and it can kind of come back and hit you sometimes when you're least expecting it. And um, I don't know, this is sad because we're just talking about grief. I know, man, I'm going to cry, Sadie. I know you had like a long, rough day, but like, <laughs> man, all right. No, but it's true and it, it's, a, it's a really good point and I think that Ham... Net the novel and Hamlet bring those bring those emotions to the forefront and, and make you think about those things without being with not you know, without necessarily being trite about it. Yeah. So I did I did think that was something nice that Hamnet the novel did because I think that especially the idea of losing a child and then what that must be like for relationships, I think is a really sensitive and hard subject and I think she brings it up but without I don't know, making it cheesy. Yeah. Um, she makes you know, it very real. Yeah. And yeah, I, th- and, I th- mm-hmm. go ahead. No, I, I just, and I think that the, what she puts in there about how, you know, sh- this Shakespeare, it's, I think she does try to make the point that what he's doing with his grief to keep him net, his son alive is by having that actor, you know, look mm-hmm. like what he would have looked like and have his same mannerisms and like almost a way to, to maintain I don't know to keep that little piece of his son and have Mm -hmm. that never die you know like this is now his creation and now it's out there and he can be alive in this way for forever for eternity you know like just good stories and music and that's what all that does and so I think that she gave a nice kind of uplifting part of of that grief even though how he had done that created some strife between him and Adonis I think that it was just showing that there you can find ways to you know keep keep that person's memory alive and that's hope like that gives someone hope I think yeah yeah and I think it's also you know I think it's a good show of how um you know as much as death is part of the human experience and its inevitabilities but it's also you know like love and passion and the care that we have for people in our lives and how that can bring about like really incredible beautiful things you know like the idea that maybe he couldn't have created or written Hamlet without the love and grief that he had for his son you know it's kind of 
I think it, she just does a good job of showing like the full scope of human emotion and ability by showing the deep, deep pain that comes with loss, but also, you know, the way that we can fill those spaces with creativity and music or words, poetry. Like I, I find that really beautiful and shows like, a, I think a full range of human emotion and how we handle it because everybody handles it differently. That's true. I, am I remembering incorrectly? Didn't she, wasn't it you that told me that she had all sorts of kind of past trauma or like she went through a lot in her, like lost a child or something like that? Oh, she, I don't know if she ever lost children, but she did say that she had tried writing this book, Hamnet, um, for like years. Like I think she tried like five times, but every time she did, her son was too close to the age of Hamnet and she couldn't, she couldn't do it. it. Yeah. Like she couldn't write it just because of that. Um, okay. Well, there went the closeness I had in my head, but (laughs) (laughs) what was your theory? Well, I was just, cause I thought I remembered that, that she has had some trauma or something. And so the idea Mm -hmm. that again, out of, out of trauma, you can create something. Don't, it's not a necessity, but that's a byproduct sometimes of, of grief and Anyway, yeah. I mean, you don't have to be a tortured artist to create art, (laughs) but like, it's helpful, I guess, for some people. I don't know. I'm I'm not an artist or a tortured one, so I don't I don't know at all. But um, I I'm sure it that maybe is a byproduct at least. Like, (laughs) it's funny. Um, so like, oh, when we were talking about um. how we were kind of looking for more Easter eggs in Hamnet when we first read mm-hmm. it that would like point us directly to the play. I think that by not doing that, it was a very, very smart decision by her as a, like a writing choice. Like I thought about when I was reading it, I was like, how is she going to create dialogue for William Shakespeare? Like, how yeah. is he going to talk? And like, how is she going to write, make this her own and make it really Annis's story? You know. Right, which she did a great job of. I think the the Shakespeare part, it's it's there, but it's it's in the rear view. You know, like mm-hmm. it's not the crucial thread to the story. And honestly, when you when I read the summary of it after you brought it up, I was like, oh, I don't know if I really want to read something like that. Yeah, like I I did. My initial reaction was like, Ugh, I don't want to read like a you know shakespeare cosplay like i just i don't know i just wasn't into it shakespeare fan fiction yeah like yeah yeah. i just it didn't sound appealing to be honest but like you know um but then so i just had that little first initial reaction but then right away that that went away because because i really think she did a good job of right off the bat establishing that as not the focus of the Mm-hmm. of the novel and that you know she she wrote such a great character in Adnes like such an interesting mm-hmm. like I was more interested a lot of times in her thought process than than his yes um, yeah so I think sure. yeah so that that went away it was not William Shakespeare fan fiction <laughs> at all so <laughs> that was good happy happy that that was not our experience um yeah no I agree I love especially after reading Hamlet where I feel like there's such a clear um, blank space, it's whole, of like a female voice, of a strong female voice, because his relationship with his mother is 
insane. I mean, obviously, people have written about Hamlet's relationship with his mother for decades, and then obviously Ophelia is, you know, she's this character who's, we don't really get a clear picture of what's going on for her and what she's really been through. It's all kind of like through these different perspectives of men. But I think that's, you know, like a gaping hole of, of Hamlet. Well, I sure, it's I mean, purposeful, but I, yeah, that's I think, why I like yeah. that Hamlet fills in that gap. And mm-hmm. I think so too. I mean, there's, there were, there had to have been, we know there were just as many talented, you know, female playwrights and poets and writers mm-hmm. in that time period. But I mean, uh, how, who, you know, when is that mm-hmm. ever talked about? Or I'm, I'm sure for most just, you know, laymen in the literature world would be hard pressed to name one. Um, mm-hmm. And so that even in of itself, that Shakespeare's who we think of, even though, you know, he's just one voice and there were probably many others that you weren't able to hear because they were female. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. And this fills that, that void that I always kind of feel when I, think about this time or when I think sometimes about like literature in general um Mm -hmm. it really wasn't until college for me where I felt like women showed up a lot in my in the works that I like read at school I mean AP classes were different I feel like my teachers were better at choosing diverse works there but up until what junior senior year of high school that was a pretty gaping loss for me I don't know I don't know. You had a vastly different education experience as I did, though. Um, Audrey went to private school. I went to public school. What was your experience like as far as what literature you read in school and what voices you got to hear? You know, I I was really fortunate because I think I had teachers that I connected with as young as, um, as far as when I began reading more literature, as young as like sixth grade. Like mm-hmm. I had a teacher named Mrs. Finn. She's a great teacher and like she kind of started on that path of like women authors and you know people from different cultures and even just other books and translations and all that and that continued I had a great teacher Mm -hmm. in eighth grade and and then definitely in high school had an amazing English teacher um Mr. Dolan and he just exposed us to so many different kinds of literature um so I was fortunate in that and then I have a mother who loves to read um so like that definitely contributed and just other good friends same thing so I think that that made some of the difference but I know that even with all that and I feel like I'm pretty well read there's so many gaping holes still just because they weren't really made commercially available yeah yeah or you know they just weren't considered maybe as classic of fiction like I don't know I my mom is and was an avid reader and i like thank god for that every day because I think that's truly is like why I am such a reader um so I felt like I was exposed to some of that stuff outside of school but in school yeah I mean it wasn't until senior year when I had really good teachers and you know it was like a college level course so Mm -hmm. it was pretty much required that we read about different themes and different people um which was a huge relief for me but I think Maggie O'Farrell does a really great job of that. And, you know, I to, to be fair to Hamlet, like, I think that those gaps, as far as his characters go in this play, is, like, I think it's purposeful and obvious. I don't know. What was, what's your interpretation of Hamlet's relationship with his mother and Ophelia? Oh, I don't know. That's, like, a whole other... Big I feel bag like that's a whole other out. Yeah, that's a big bag you're opening right now. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's one of the most interpretable relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think you can't help but connect who the author is to to how it's you know like he just plays Mm -hmm. such a role in it you know like Mm -hmm. when you really start to think about in some some literature who how much influence the creator has on those really interpretable relationships because who they are plays a factor in it yeah and you know i think that's does that make sense i feel like that made no sense there's no there's a lot of ambiguousness in here and so i like i think we have to project kind of the author or in you know in productions that we watch who the actor is and what they decide to play into it because I think it's Mm -hmm. written ambiguously for a reason and um you know obviously I think depending on who plays Ophelia and what they decide to do with those lines or in what they're given like I think you can get a pretty big interpretation of you know, was it suicide or was it an accident? Was she crazy? Was she grieving? You know, all those kinds of things. Um, and I think same thing with his mother. God, her name is escaping me at the moment. What is his mother called? In Hamlet? Yeah. Gertrude? Gertrude. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No. I spaced out for a second there. You're okay. Um, I think with Gertrude too, you know, like I, th- I think depend depending on how she's played, sure, you sure. could look at her as, you know, this kind of bystander to all of this political intrigue that's going on, or you could look at her as a very active participant, which um, is, you know, one of my favorite like short stories that is kind of inspired by Hamlet is Margaret Atwood's Gertrude Talks Back. Mm-hmm. And in oh, that's that, right. You told me about this. Yeah. And in that one, she very specifically and outwardly purports that Gertrude is the one who killed um, Hamlet, King Hamlet. Will and you, I love it. You it's link so that? funny. You should link that in our on our Instagram. Yeah, I'll put it on our Instagram and I'll put it on our show notes as well for anybody who wants to read it. Because yeah. I, I just think it's brilliant. And she does such a good job of kind of making fun of the character Hamlet and the questions he asks his mother and and just it's very tongue-in-cheek and, and very clever I I mean that's Margaret Atwood for you but um yeah I really love that. it and it's a good and, interpretation yeah. of Gertrude I think and yeah I think it's I nice to to be able to take something that's so well known and has been around for such a long time and be able to create new things out of maybe some of those gaps or, you know, just finding and reinterpretations. I don't think you can necessarily do that with, with everything, but I think that Shakespeare mm-hmm. lends itself really well to that, which makes sense. Cause you know, it's a play and it's theater. And I think that there's maybe more, obviously just we're used to those things being reinterpreted just depending on who's directing it and who's acting in it. So, yeah. And I, th- you know, I think that's why also Hamnet works so well is because, I don't know, I feel like Maggie Farrell could really just kind of take it and she could take the themes of the play that she wanted and mm-hmm. put them in her own. And it, for me, it helped me kind of reevaluate the play itself because usually when I have read it for a class or I've watched it, I'm so focused on kind of like the political intrigue and, and the, the questions of madness and and responsibility and what he should or shouldn't do and what he wants to do and Um, that I'm less focused on just the idea of like how is grief affecting him and his relationships. I'm, I'm less focused on the idea of grief 
until I read Hamnet, and now that's like all I see is I read and watch the play. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's true. It really, it really put a spotlight on something that maybe you know hadn't given as much thought to, which I think is interesting. Yeah. yeah. I also think so. Yeah, I definitely think you should um, post that on our Instagram, and then I think also I've got a couple um, different Instagram accounts that I think are great um, book. Uh, like bookstagram I think that's what they call them you know for like ideas on reading and that's where I've kind of uh, been going to a lot lately to find maybe some um, authors that aren't as pushed to the forefront and Mm -hmm. um, you know things like that and I found some really good things through that so I'll put some up as well on our Instagram in case anyone's interested I mean, you should really just get all your book recommendations from us, but uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if you're a more voracious reader and can't wait, then, you know, they, they've got some good recommendations, too. Um, well, again, great idea, Sadie, to, thank you. to watch and reread Hamlet. Um, definitely made me enjoy Hamnet um, more, so yeah, that was, a, that was a nice side effect. Thank you. Um, speaking of book recommendations, what else have you been reading? Um, so I'm still, uh, making my way through cast by Isabel Wilkinson, Mm -hmm. um, which I talked a little bit, a couple, um, podcasts ago. Um, and I'm really, really liking that. Um, and then I just finished and I don't know why I'm spacing on the author right now because I don't want to say it without the author. Um, I think it's just called bunny one second. What have you been reading while I look this up? Uh, um, I have been reading for the first time the Vampire Lestat. <laughs> so, oh, Anne Rice. Are yeah. we going down the Anne Rice rabbit hole? Yeah. So I okay. I we're read... not doing Anne Rice on the podcast. I'm sorry. I can't. Okay. Do it. Um, no apologies needed. I don't <laughs> think we have enough time to go down that rabbit hole. But. Um, I read Interview with a Vampire forever ago, and then, uh, I don't know, I was at I was at the bookstore, and I saw these copies of the rest of the Vampire Chronicles there, and I was like, ugh, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to dive deep. You know, that's some, good escape, that's some good escapism. Go for it. Good I mean, for I, you. I love Lestat. As far as vampires go, he's like an okay to want to read about. He's better <laughs> than others. You know, I would much, no judgment, no judgment at all. Okay, judgment. I would rather you go oh. down that rabbit, rabbit hole than like the Twilight rabbit hole. So um, <laughs> I fully support that. Um, okay. The other novel that I'm almost done with, it's called Bunny. It's by Mona Awad, I believe is how it's pronounced. A-W-A-D. And I, I, I don't know. It's really strange. It's one of the strangest novels I've read in a really long time. Um, but it's Stranger really than int- My Year Abroad? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Not as intricate, not as much going on, but like, Mm. I can't, I can't decide if I like it or not because it's really, it's really weird and it's not my typical fare. Uh, I think if I had to give any comparison, (laughs) it'd be like, like the movie Heathers. It's almost like a novel that not, not the storyline of Heathers, but just that weird, like, I can't tell what's going on here. Like, it's just so... Like, is this satire or is this an actual teen movie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't. Yeah. That kind of feel. Um, So really interesting. Uh, Yeah. So I'm almost done with that. And of course, we just read There There. So nice segue. Mm -hmm. That's uh, join us uh, on our next podcast. And we'll be talking about There There by uh, Tommy Orange. So we'll be doing two parts um, for this novel as well. Two episodes. 
I think that's well. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you, you have, have anything, anything else? else? No. no. I think I think we went on quite a few tangents and wrapped it all up. So we did. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone for for listening for our little special discussion. Um, hopefully that gave you all more time to pick up there there by Tommy Orange um, and mm-hmm. read it with us. I'm really excited to discuss this. I really really. Um, liked it a lot so really looking forward to discussing it with you so thanks everybody yes and thanks Kendrick for doing the intro and outro music Kendrick Zane you can find him on Instagram and you can also find him on YouTube yes thanks all right everybody we will talk at you next time bye